Hello, hello. Welcome to Where Truth Lies. I'm your host, Kat. And today we are talking about how an intolerance to experience emotions will basically F you up for the rest of your life. So keep listening. Okay, so (laughs) that was a pretty brash statement, but I definitely think it's a true one. And the truest statements tend to be on the bolder side of things. So you're probably thinking, yeah, either I have no idea what you're talking about. That sounds really like disconnected. I don't know what you mean. Or you're thinking, yeah, um, it's important to, you know, feel your feelings. But I actually want to dissect the psychology of this and relate it back to your own life. So one of the benefits of having increased technology and all this access to information is that we are more conscious about many things. One being that our childhood really drastically affects how your adult life will go unless you, you know, consciously choose to, to work on yourself. And, you know, it's just widely accepted now. It's something that, you know, we've come to understand, which is great. And speaking from personal experience, like we all have trauma. Humans are the easiest species to traumatize because we're actually very intelligent and we require many, many things to thrive. And because we're smart, we're very attuned to danger. And those things can quickly become traumatizing and overwhelm our nervous system. And because our desire is to survive and stay safe, we become hardwired to look and be hypervigilant of those things occurring again, which can set you up for, you know, all kinds of mental struggles and mental illness. So what do I mean when I say an intolerance to experiencing feelings will F you up. All right. Okay. So when we're children, if we have healthy parents, they will teach us how to self-regulate and self-regulation in part is experiencing an emotion. In fact, I would say that that's literally all it is. Almost every personality disorder, every mental illness, I am telling you, it is from an inability or intolerance to experience your feelings, whether that's rage, guilt, pain, grief. I'm going to give you an example. Let's look at a narcissist. A narcissist is usually very, very intolerant to experiencing the emotion of guilt. So they will split. They will project. You will be at fault for everything. They will gaslight you. It's not actually because they're evil. It's because they haven't learned how to sit and tolerate the feeling of guilt. Now, guilt's a very painful emotion. That's the point. When you feel it, it mobilizes you to actually correct a wrong that you've done. It's very, very healthy, very adaptive. We wouldn't survive as a species without it. So a narcissist's intolerance to feel guilt will make them project and make them behave in the ways that they're feeling. Now, this is something that's often missing in all this dialogue around psychology and trauma. It's basically the key ingredient you you hear you know someone talking about a narcissist and it's like the narcissist wants to manipulate you the narcissist this this is and it's like but why they're actually not conscious all the time of their desire to manipulate 
it's just a maladaptive way that they've discovered how they can circumvent feeling their feelings. So back to this, what does self-regulation look like and how do healthy parents teach children how to self-regulate? Well, when something happens, the parent is the secure base for the child. And when that kid's experiencing an emotion, the parent can make it safe for them to feel that. So instead of saying, don't be sad or don't do that, it's a very safe base to feel your emotions because the parent is there to make you feel safe. At the same time, the child is able to explore their emotions. And this is, it seems so simple, but think of all the subtle ways that a parent might inhibit this process of a child learning to feel their feelings. When I say feel, I don't just mean name their feelings. It's not a simple, I feel sad or I feel angry. It's actually being connected to the experience of those emotions. So is your heart racing? Are your hands clenching? Is your jaw clenched? That is a feeling, right? And if this process is interrupted, well, you're now creating defense mechanisms to stop yourself from feeling emotions. So with the example of the narcissist, the projection or the splitting is a defense against feeling. And the way in which we use defenses, which defenses we use to stop having to feel or experience an emotion, that will define the label or the the personality disorder we have or the mental illness. And we employ different defense mechanisms and all of us do I don't think anyone does this perfectly but for example someone with anxious attachment you might hear that they're anxiously attached because they were abandoned and they're afraid that everyone will leave them right and this is an irrational fear but it's an understandable one because they were abandoned in childhood so I actually see this very differently I used to see it like that and now I understand it from this lens. Are you ready? Someone with anxious attachment is not afraid of being abandoned again. They're actually afraid of experiencing what that abandonment in their past was like. They actually haven't processed the feelings, the grief, the rage with the abandonment that they experienced in the past. So think about it like this. If they're in a relationship and they're afraid of abandonment, what they're trying to avoid, aka the abandonment by being clingy and asking for too much validation and all these other things that they will do, they're actually trying to stop experiencing the pain from their abandonment. Because if this person leaves, right, if this person abandons them, yes, They're going to have to deal with the pain from that abandonment, but they're also going to have to deal with the pain from their past that they haven't dealt with yet, right? So this current attachment is in kind of starting to touch on that repressed emotion, that repressed pain that they haven't dealt with yet. So it's like, please don't leave me because if you leave me, I'm going to have to deal with all this other shit that I don't want to deal with rather than having a clean slate, right? If you've dealt with this shit in the past, you'll likely have secure attachment and you're not so afraid of being abandoned because if you get abandoned, you know how to deal with it. You're not afraid of experiencing the pain 
So it's not so much, I'm so afraid of you leaving me. It's, I'm afraid of feeling the abandonment pain from my past. And I'm afraid of feeling the pain of abandonment that you might bring me. So it's very, very different, isn't it? And people say, oh, but you have anxious attachment if you were, you know, abandoned and you're wired to think that what happened in the past will happen again. So you're anticipating it. I honestly, maybe that's 5% of it, but no, the anxious person is just afraid of having to experience the feelings. And because they have an intolerance to experiencing these emotions, they've developed all these maladaptive defense mechanisms to ward off having to feel, aka, hey, you give me excessive validation, you placate me so I don't have to deal with my inner world, so I don't have to deal with my feelings. If I control the outer, I don't have to look within. And the same goes for avoidant attachment, the same goes for personality disorders. It's always about a way to manage the outside so you don't have to feel. And honestly, when I discovered this, like my mind was blown and I credit this to ISTDP, intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy. And this whole therapy is about breaking down the resistance to feeling, breaking down the defense mechanisms so that they can get the patient to feel. And what's remarkable is when you feel, it's horrific, but The pain dissipates after a while and it's pretty profound. Um, So I encourage you guys to think about what defenses to feeling do I have? So a common one might be rationalization, intellectualization, guilty. I do that one a lot. I was intellectualizing so much through all these things that happened to me and not actually feeling. And I remember I saw a psychologist and I think in a way she was kind of really impressed that I could understand clinically everything that happened to me. And it wasn't until I was pushed to feel through ISTDP that these things really weren't weighing on me anymore. Um, and like, I really encourage everyone to, to explore their inner world. And the reason is, you know, whether that's through therapy or working with someone, I do think there's a certain amount of work that we can't always do on our own. And if you have a growth mindset, you know, you'll totally understand wanting to be the best you can be. I always say, you'll hear me say in this podcast, I think it's our responsibility to ourselves and to our community. And for me, you know, I feel life's a gift and I'm not going to waste it. God, or, you know, if you believe in the universe or a higher power, I'm here for a purpose and I have responsibility to be the best I can be. And so part of that for me and seeking truth was to work with someone objectively. Like if I'm aware of the fact that I don't know everything at once in this given point in time, then I want to seek some objective wisdom. And that started with psychology. And interestingly enough, it was my sort of obsession with psychology as this objective set of truths that made me realize, gosh, that doesn't suffice. And that's really how I found God. Um, But that's definitely a topic for another day. So yeah, now the way I see 
these psychological difficulties that we have, these defenses we have against feeling well, my gosh. I wanted to share this with you guys so you can think about all the ways you resist feeling. And trust me, your life will be better when you lean in. When you build that capacity to feel and to sit with the feelings, it will transform you. And, you know, why do I think it's important to do the inner work and work with a psychologist aside from having a responsibility to be the the best you can be? Well, our own dysfunction affects other people. And that is my biggest fear that my dysfunction will cause some level of destruction in someone else's life. For me, that is like the ultimate unforgivable sin and that's what led me to always want to learn to do better to work with someone (laughs) I would honestly say I remember I was like 18 and I was struggling with anxiety and I was seeing a great psychologist and I was like tell me tell me what's wrong with me I want to know so I can fix it and there's nothing wrong with this attitude right in in moderation of course So let me know if this kind of hit on anything working within your own lives. Like I'm, I'm so keen to hear from you to hear what defenses you recognize against feeling things in your own life. So if you like this episode, guys, please subscribe, follow me on Instagram, where truth lies underscore podcast. I really want to hear your thoughts and comments on this episode and stay tuned for next week and I'll talk to you guys then. Bye-bye.